Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online church service. I am so happy that you're here. I believe that God will meet every need that you have, that He specifically knows what your exact needs are, and that He's going to meet them. He will tailor fit a solution for your every need and meet it abundantly. Praise God. So we're going to jump into his word and let the word of God by the anointing of the Holy Spirit bring solutions, divine answers, and insight and help into our lives today. Praise the Lord. Now we're going to start by receiving the holy tithes and offerings and bringing them in to the storehouse of God as we are commanded to do so in Malachi chapter 3. And I want to read just uh, one verse to you from the New Testament. This would be the little bitty letter of 3 John. So let's listen along. 3 John verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray. And the word pray can be translated also a deep desire. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So this is the beloved John. This is the same man that wrote the final book in the Bible, which would be the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the same John who as a young man leaned his head on the Lord's chest and asked the Lord to point out who his betrayer was. And so now in the latter years of his life, as an elderly man, full of the wisdom of God, full of life experience of walking with Christ, and the last apostle out of the original 12 to be alive, he says, Beloved, he's speaking to the believers, I pray that you may prosper in all things. This is a man who walked with Jesus, who understood the direct teachings of the Lord, and he is speaking on behalf of the Lord and with the anointing and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And you need to understand he's talking to you today. God wants you to prosper, to do well, to have success in all things, and be in health. Are you sick? God wants you healed. God wants you up on your feet. God wants you out serving him, living for him, and having a vibrant living testimony. Hallelujah. God wants you prospering. He wants you healthy just as your soul prospers. Number one thing is that you have a strong walk with God. Jesus said, what does it profit if a man should gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul. So we're not just out uh, trying to be rich and no other means besides that. We're not out just trying to have health so we can live for ourselves. My friends, we want to prosper financially so that we can be a blessing to the Lord's kingdom and so that we can be a good witness of having our bills paid, needs met, and also having overflow to be a blessing in the lives of others. We want health so that we can be up and about serving the Lord living for the Lord, accomplishing all that he has called us to do. And so it's not just, it's not just financial empowerment and health so we can live for ourselves. No, we want to tailor it all around serving the Lord, 
living for Jesus and having a strong walk with God. With that in mind, with having the Lord, the Lord first in our lives, having that in mind, you go ahead and prosper and you go ahead and be in health. If you are lacking in prosperity, God can begin to turn it around for you as you apply his principles. If you are sick in body, God can heal your body as you learn to apply his principles. Praise God. Some people just want to be healed so they can go out and sin more. But my friends, you need to be healed and in health so that you can live for God. Hallelujah. It's hard for me to pray if I'm sick. It's much easier for me to pray when, I'm, when I have health in my body. It reminds me of what William Booth said many years back, who was the man who was the founder of the Salvation Army. He said, you'll never get any man saved when he's standing there in the meeting with the toothache, okay? So let's get the guy's toothache fixed first. We got to take this guy to a dentist. Let's get him to a dentist. Because when your head feels like it's about to explode, when you're so overwhelmed in pain, it's hard to focus on a salvation message. It's hard to focus on anything when you're in pain. God wants you in health. Why? So that you can live for him. Hallelujah. To the fullest degree possible so that you can focus when you pray, focus when you read the word and go about doing good, being a blessing in the lives of others. So we base our life method of operating upon what the word of God says. So if the apostle who was known as the apostle closest to the Lord tells us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he greatly desires and prays that we prosper in all things and be in health. This is our soul prospers. Then my friends, that's what we're going to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So as you bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God, understand it is God's will for you to prosper. You don't have to apologize for prosperity. Even though there are many people with a communistic mindset, even in America, even there are people in America who believe in socialism, give it all away, you know, uh, get rid of all the corporations. We should just all be poor together. Even though you have people that think like that, uh, my friends, you have to understand, you don't have to apologize for holding to the promises of God, which includes and fully embraces you prospering in what God has called you to do. God wants you to be healthy. Yes. So as you give today, as you bring the tithes and offerings to the storehouse of God, just write on it. Third John verse two, prosperity and health and a deep walk with God. Those three things, may they always be yours and may they always be increasing in an ongoing measure. Father, I thank you for your people. Let your prosperity flow into their lives. Let divine health, your quality of living, flow into their bodies. And Father, we thank you for time to pray, time to study your word, time to worship, time to uh, give you thanks and, and, and for all that you've done and all that you're doing. We thank you, Father, that we place you first in our lives on purpose. And we would have it no other way. So, Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456. Again, P.O. Box 3456, Mooresville, North Carolina. Our zip code here is 28. 117. If you would like to bring your tithes and offerings in online through Safe and Secure, 
transaction, please visit the ministry website, www.stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. You can go there anytime, day or night, and bring them into the storehouse of God. This allows us to continue to preach the gospel around the world. Hallelujah. Thank you for your faithful and generous giving. Hallelujah. Now today we're going to talk about the statement that Jesus made that blessed are the poor in spirit. So please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter five. Let's drop down to verse three. Heavenly father, as we go into your word to study it in detail, we ask that the revelation of what it means to be poor in spirit be manifested to our understanding that we can apply this to our lives and that we can enjoy the rich fruit that it will produce in a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name, and we all say amen. Now, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, the gospel of Luke has a shortened ver version in the sense where the Lord says, blessed are the poor. Let me say this about being poor. For most people that are poor, it is easier for them to hear and receive the gospel. On a global perspective, when you look at the world from a vantage point of not just looking at it from the filter of your own nation or your own town that you live in, but when you look at the world as a whole planet and you see the people upon the earth, most of the people who do receive Christ are those who are poor. Now, you'll have those that would be what we would also consider in the Western world as middle class, and you'll also have some who have what we could consider great wealth, although there's not very many of those. And even the, the Apostle Paul mentioned that. But there is a blessing to being poor in the sense that you don't usually have a lot of the barriers holding you back to receiving Christ that a wealthy person would have. And after all, Jesus said it's harder for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven uh, than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. So, you know, that caused quite a shock to the disciples. And Peter said, well, you know, hey, you know, what about us? We, we've given up everything for you. He even said, well, you know, Lord, who can be saved? These are some heavy-duty statements that you're dropping. And the Lord, you know, said, well, with God, all things are possible. But it denotes a stripping, a stripping. There's a lot of wealthy people, even if they do get saved, they'll never have anything to do with that baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it takes a humility to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and to speak in tongues. And you have a lot of, uh, you have a lot of people that, that maybe because of their status financially, their status in the community or in society, they would never in a million years want to be seen as some kind of weirdo who speaks in tongues. So they'll, ne they'll never do it. Uh, they may even do it secretly, a little bit like Nicodemus who came to the Lord at night, not wanting anybody else to know within his association what he's doing, lest he be made fun of or he be humiliated. But my friends, you have to understand that Jesus said that what is highly esteemed among men 
is an abomination in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. So we need to love the poor. And also we understand that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So to be a giver, it's more advantageous. You, you can do more. And to be a giver, you, you're going to have to be blessed. And so there is a spiritual blessing for the poor in the sense that it can be much easier to get saved. Matter of fact, if you don't believe that, go out and try witnessing to a poor person who will listen to you as, con- as compared to a snob, ultra-rich person who just thinks this whole thing is a bunch of baloney. Their, 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 their righteousness, their salvation is in their own belief system, or so they think. They'll find out when they die, and they stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. But my friends, it's very easy oftentimes to get the poor one to Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's a lot of other things the poor aren't going to understand. Even Jesus said, you're always going to have the poor with you. And so the poor, when they get to heaven, those that are saved, they're going to have a lot of learning to do. They're going to have a lot of learning to do. That's why many people are poor. Why is that, Pastor Stephen? There's something they don't know. There's something they don't know, and it's ways of operating, it's ways of doing things, it's bad habits, it's being raised up in poverty, and people that are raised poor usually never break out of it because there's something they don't know. Praise the Lord. But my friends, we're talking today about poor in spirit. It's very, very different. Hallelujah. So, by the way, if you're blessed and you're wealthy, as we just saw in Third John verse 2, then rejoice. Rejoice in God in your prosperity. Rejoice in the Lord that you now know things according to biblical financial principles that have lifted you out of poverty or are lifting you up out of a place where you're just barely getting by into a place of abundance and more than enough. Hallelujah. Because you and I both know the poor can't help the poor. I have walked among the poor, those who are destitute, and I just pull out some money. And boy, the response is just incredible. But look, you can't pull out money and you can't do things like that unless you're what? You're blessed and you're in the overflow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. What? What in the world does that mean? Because you need to have this. And if you are walking in the revelation of this, you will be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So, uh, years back, there was a great preacher. I won't say his name, but he's a really good preacher, more so a teacher. And he was teaching along, and after he finished his message, he said, does anybody have any questions? And there were a lot of uh, college-age students who were attending uh, this session to check him out and to, you know, hear him uh, preach for the first time. And one young man raised his hand and said, I have a question. And, and the minister said, go ahead and ask your question, please. And the young man said, he said, isn't, isn't Christianity just a crutch for people who aren't strong enough to do it themselves? In other words, it's like a crutch. You, you have to have something to lean on because you're weak and, and you know, you got problems and the, and the teacher, in just one word, answered the question. He said, yes. He said, yes. He said, that's exactly, in a sense, what it is. After all, stop and think about it. What's wrong with the crutch, right? I mean, if you have a broken ankle, 
and you need time for your ankle to heal, is there really something wrong with walking around using a crutch? I don't think so. What if you're recovering from knee surgery and you had an, maybe an orthoscopic uh, surgery done on your knee, and so now you need a crutch for a couple of weeks? Is there something wrong with using a crutch when you actually need it? No, I don't think so. Why is a crutch then considered a bad thing? when it is used in the context of Christianity and our personal need for a Savior and for somebody to help us. What's, what, what's wrong with that? What's so bad about that? I actually think it's good. And now we're beginning to get into what it means to be poor in spirit. Recognizing our weaknesses, our inabilities, our inadequacies in so many ways and in so many things, This is actually an insult to those who view themselves as completely self-sufficient. Those who say, I don't need God. I don't need anything. I don't need no religious crutch. They think they're so strong. They think they are so self-made, so self-reliant. And they are clueless about what it means to be poor in spirit. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, says, When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a, of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The only people, now listen to this, the only people who will receive what Jesus has to offer are those who recognize inwardly that they are spiritually morally, and even oftentimes physically crippled. I mean, it's realizing, hey, I do have a deficit. There is something inside of me that's, that, that's not right. I have issues. I have problems. I have sin habits. I have iniquities that have been passed down into my DNA from my father or my forefather or great-grandfather. I've got issues. I have things in my life that I'm not happy about in my secret life. That There are people that need a Savior. Praise the Lord. See, the truth is, is that we all need a divine physician to cleanse us of the sickness and misery of sin. It is only the boastful and the arrogant and the self-reliance of man upon his own self that grounds and destroys his true destiny. Mm, 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 mm. Ever since Adam and Eve saw the image of their own independent potential without God, have people since then continued to think, I'm strong, and I'm self-reliant, and I don't need God. I don't need God. See, it's the same lie, the same old lie, which the serpent whispered, to Eve, saying in the book of Genesis, chapters three, uh, chapter three, verses four and five, saying, "You will surely not die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God." Well, the devil lied. They ate it and they died. They died immediately spiritually. What does that mean? It means separation from God. And then also they ended up dying physically. Although it did take physical death quite some time to kill them off. I think Adam lived to be 930 years. It still killed them. Death is an enemy. 
It says so clearly in the Bible, death will also eventually be abolished and thrown into the lake of fire. You need to understand today from the point of being poor in spirit, you need to understand that helplessness is good. Well, Pastor Stephen, I I can't do it. I I, I can't. About time you got that figured out. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, I'm just not strong enough. It's about time that you realize that. Praise the Lord. You must understand and know that your own weakness is actually a really, really good thing. As a matter of fact, helplessness, weakness, inabilities, limitations, which are all forms of poverty of spirit, are, they're not something that God cures and takes away, but rather He leaves it in you so that He might be your crutch. Woo! How about that? Glory to God. Pastor Stephen, God's just your crutch. Yes, He is. He holds me up, and without Him, I can't do what God's called me to do. I can maybe grovel through life and do something or do some things, but I can't be who God called me to be and do what God has called me to do in my own ability or power. Matter of fact, the assignment that God has for you, whatever career field you're called into, you'll never accomplish it unless it is performed by the power of the Spirit. Mm, Hallelujah. See, it's not by power or by our own efforts, although we need to try and do our best. But it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There are some things that are beyond you. You just need to recognize that, understand that, and realize that unless God does it, it's not going to happen. And that's okay. That's okay. He will move in His own time and in His own way. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. Would you like a really good example of poverty, of spirit? Listen to this from Paul the Apostle. Three times I plead it with the Lord. Not just asking, hey, Lord, could you take care of this? No, he pleaded. This denotes like a, like a begging, like, God, please. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Catch that. The power of God in your life is made perfect, not through your strengths, but actually through your weaknesses. Understanding that is the key to the blessedness of poverty of spirit, not financial poverty, poverty of spirit. Poverty of spirit is a good thing that you want just as much of as you possibly can have. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, not his strengths, not his accomplishments, although they were quite prestigious, but of his weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your needs of, uh, let me say it like this, your inadequacies, your inabilities, Many of these things are things that God doesn't take away. He leaves on purpose. 
so that you'll be forced to come before the throne of grace and find help and mercy in your time of need. You know, I, I sit here today, I'm talking to you by God's grace. These messages go to many people around the world, but there was a time in my life as a young child when my speech was so bad that my parents had to send me to a speech therapist. Now at that time in my life, the idea of maybe one day being a public speaker or minister would have been something that would have been so far beyond my understanding that I couldn't have grabbed it if it had been in another universe. But yet here I sit today and I'm teaching and I'm talking to you and I'm able to pronounce words in a way that's good enough that I can work my way through these things. But I used to, I used to be able to speak so poorly. I had so many speech impediments. I could not say anything that had the letter R in it. I could not say the, 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 word, the letter R. Any word that had the letter R, and so many words do, I, I couldn't speak it. Other words I couldn't speak. It was so bad. It was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing that all the other kids could talk right, and I couldn't speak right. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I could hardly even read. I think even my ability to read didn't really even kick into like around sixth grade, but God had, God had mercy on me. God had mercy on me. And, and today I can, I can read, I can work my way through the English language, praise God. But my friends, these weaknesses, where you say, God, please help me do something. God will help where he sees fit to help. And sometimes other things, he'll leave a little bit of a weakness so that you always rely on him. Glory to God. I do know this, that without the anointing, I can't talk well. <laughs> I can talk silly, but I can't talk. I can't talk on behalf of God without the anointing. I need that. I can't function without it. Praise the Lord. One day, my wife and I sat down with a man who founded a university. This university today, had, now listen to this, has an endowment of over $200 million dollars. I sat down with the founder of this university about 20 years ago, and when I sat down with him and talked with him, it began to dawn on me, this guy is not very bright intellectually. And you know what? He wasn't afraid to hide it. That's why he raised up a university, because people needed education. People need to be sharp. They don't need to struggle through life like I did. And I thought, God's used this man to raise this university up, and he did, of all places in Southern California with land, and uh, I'm talking multi-million dollar expensive land, and beautiful, beautiful buildings, and several thousand students, and now an endowment over uh, several hundred million dollars. And this is a guy, uh, this, is, this is by a founding president, the founder of the college, that gave me some material to read that he wrote that was written grammatically so poorly, I don't think a third grade teacher would have passed it. And I'm not over I'm not over exaggerating that either. It was literally that bad. The grammar was that bad, and yet God uses him to raise up a Christian university that now educates thousands of young people. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Poverty of spirit. When you realize that you have inadequacies and you say, God, you're gonna to have to help me because you realize that I've got a lot of I've got a lot of shortcomings in my life. But Lord, that's okay, as long as I've got you. As long as I've got you, you're going to get me to where I'm supposed to be, and we're going to do 
together what it is that you want to accomplish together through me as we work together. Hallelujah. One time I was talking to a minister who is one of the world's leading devotional writers. And he showed me an article that he had written in the original draft form. This is before it gets polished by those who are proficient in English grammar. And he showed me what he had written. And the first thing I thought when I read his writings were, I wonder if he graduated from high school because this was rough. I mean, this was, this was writing that, I, I mean, a lot of the stuff you learn in second grade, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's just the truth. And yet I thought this man's books are all over the world. People clamor over his books, but the truth behind the scenes is that he could hardly, he can hardly write things in a proper sentence structure, but yet now his books are sold all over the world. He understood his weaknesses and he would have people proofread his material, but it's the, it's the core content of what he's writing that's moving people. You can put a little polish on something, but it's not the polish. You can polish a pig, but it's still a pig. You can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still still a pig. But it was the core content of what he would write. It was so good, so rich, that all it needed was a little help here and there, a little help here and there, and then pop it out. It's a good product. But here, here was a person that had very, very poor writing and grammar skills, uh, even much like myself, much like myself. I don't know how I passed English in high school. I, I, I don't know how I did it. I, I somehow always got by. I do remember one class that I was struggling in, a government class. I think the only thing I learned that there are three branches of government, the executive, legislative, and judicial. That's all I remember for a whole year of study. I think the only reason I passed was I won a big track meet, and uh, the teacher was holding the, the finish line ribbon, and because the big track meet was uh, at our home school, and we were hosting all of these other schools, and in front of all, of every, you know, I guess in front of the hometown and everything, I won the big track meet. When I crossed the finish line, he goes, congratulations, son, you just passed for the year. Woo! I said, thank you. I'll take all the help I can get. So some of these classes, I don't know how I got through. But yet now here I am as a person who struggled in English. And, you know, I just, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't diagram a sentence. I couldn't do it. The t you know, everybody else is doing it, and I just want to pull my hair out. I'm like, I can't do it. I don't know what an adverb is. I don't know what an adjective is. I think I have a little bit of understanding of what a noun is, but I don't know all of these different types of verb types. And it, 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 look, it wasn't just hard. It was torment. Whoo, hallelujah. But somehow, God got me through it. And the funniest thing of all is today I'm a writer. I'm a published author, and thousands and thousands of books are selling by the grace of God and going all over the planet. It, look, look, it's not me, it's God. If God can give me the content, somehow I'll just try to get it out. Praise the Lord. But I thank God for His grace. And I boast, I boast in my weaknesses, because it's in the weakness that His strength and His power comes upon my life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Your weakness whatever it might be, and it's probably weaknesses, plural, right? Look, that is your doorway to God's power. Don't be ashamed of it. Hallelujah. Your poverty of spirit is your gateway to heaven's blessings. Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs 
is the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is that access. Praise God. What does it mean, as we begin to boil it down a little bit more, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? I believe that it is a personal, clear understanding of your own weaknesses, not others, your own your own weaknesses and failures and shortcomings where you simply declare, God, I can't, but with your help, I can. Those who are poor in spirit are recipients of God's best help. Hallelujah. Now, to find out a little bit more about being poor in spirit, poverty of spirit, let's look now at some great men and women in Scripture as well as some in church history who would be good examples of poor in spirit. Genesis 18:27, let's look at Abraham. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed, now I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Wow. Abraham called himself dust and ashes for having the privilege of being able to speak to the Lord. Genesis 32:10 I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant for I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I have become two companies. Exodus chapter 3 verse 10 and 11 Come now therefore and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? See, poverty of spirit. Poverty of spirit. Moses even told the Lord, he even said, Lord, I can't even talk right. I can't even, I can't even speak properly. Wow. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 41. Are you ready for a big one? How about this one? Isaiah 41 verses 13 through 14. Now catch this. Catch this one. In its right context. Catch this. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Fear not, you worm, Jacob, you men of Israel, I will help you, says the Lord, and your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Praise the Lord. I understand that there is a proper place for self-confidence. I understand also that there is certainly a place to know your identity in Christ, that His righteousness is your righteousness. And because He shed His blood for you and I, we are now clean in the eyes of God through what He did. So what I am saying through poverty of spirit is recognizing who we would be and what we are without God and without God's help. Praise the Lord. It's good to realize that, my friends. It's good to realize that so we can receive the blessedness of poverty of spirit. Here's an example of someone who understood this. His name was William Carey. This man was a Baptist British Christian missionary. 
While he was young, he was very poor, didn't have a proper education, but he had a desire and a hunger to learn. So he self-taught himself Greek and then Hebrew and Latin. He translated the Bible into six languages. He moved to the nation of India. The first Bible translation that he did was into the Bengali language there in India, where he had moved into that area. And he went on to translate the Bible into 209 other languages. He founded Sarapore College in India in 1818, and the college is still in existence today. He spent 41 years in India as a missionary without ever having a single furlough. He never came home or took a break once in 41 years. So on the plaque on his tombstone there in India, this is what it says. This is the man who translated the Bible into 209 languages. Uh, he didn't translate the whole Bible, but parts, many of the parts of the New Testament, including the Gospels primarily. This is what it says on the tombstone. It says, William Carey, born August 17, 1761, died June 9th, 1834. And this is the man who did 209 translations of the Word of God. It says on the tombstone, a wretched, poor, and helpless worm on your kind arms I fall. See, he was very familiar with his own insufficiency, his own struggles, moving to a foreign land, the frustration of trying to integrate and uh, of working so hard and seeing such little results. Matter of fact, he never saw one convert until after seven years. But when things begin to uh, move forward, they begin to move forward in a, a wonderful way. And many of the great British missionaries who went out later after him and shook the world, attributed their going out onto the mission field from the life of this man who called himself a poor and helpless worm. Very, very interesting. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. Let me say this concerning the nation of Israel. It doesn't matter how good Israel's military technology gets. It doesn't matter if everybody has an iron dome shield in their backyard that can shoot a missile down. The moment that you put your faith and trust in a missile defense system instead of God, you're in trouble. Your faith and trust needs to always be in the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Always recognize your need for God and your depravity without Him. Always recognize that. Always recognize that if He is not your Lord and Savior on a daily basis, you could drift and deviate and get so far off course that you could look back and wonder, what in the world happened to me? My friends, you must recognize human frailty, the fragility of life, and our need for a Savior. Praise God. Here's what David said, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 14. This was said in the context of giving a huge national offering towards the building of the temple that Solomon would construct. He said, David said, but who am I? And what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you, and of your own have we given you 
I mean, David basically said, hey, Lord, you know, the fact of the matter is everything we're giving, you gave it to us. It's not like we're even giving you something in the sense that we came up with. All that we have is what you gave to us. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God gives the harvest. God gives the seed. God gives everything. The very next breath that you take right now, he gave that to you. Praise the Lord. The very fact of the matter that you and I can walk and live on his planet. As the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and all this therein. The very fact that we have the privilege of walking and living on his planet, and breathing his air, and using his dirt, and his soil, and extracting things out of the, out of the earth, such as aluminum, copper, gold, silver, magnesium, and other things that are a benefit to humanity. The very fact that we have such a, such a privilege should make us humble in spirit, and say thank you. Thank you, Lord, that everything that we need, you provide it for us. Thank you. It's all around us. Thank you. Thank you, O oh God, that you didn't fail to include one thing that we would ever need. God is so thoughtful, so kind. Solomon said in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 7, And now, O oh Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. Oh, you, you can just imagine some kings today, the moment that they would get elected in the office, stand back, God, I've got this, back off, I can handle this, we don't need no prayer meetings, I've got the solution, we don't need to pray about this. The arrogance, the stupidity, and the foolishness of human nature to think that we do not need to be poor in spirit. Wow. See, the truth is, is that we're all needful. The truth is, is that we all have weaknesses. But the blessing, the blessing only goes to those, who's, to those who realize they really are poor in spirit. So when you realize, yeah, wow, I really need God's help. I have so many inadequacies, insufficiencies. There's so many things I don't know that I probably should know. I'm going to have to really rely on the Lord. See, it's that person who is blessed. Because the truth is, we all are poverty in spirit. We don't know what we should know. We aren't equipped like we should be. We have, we have inherent weaknesses. We have a sin nature that we still deal with. I know that we're born again and saved. The old man has been cut off. He's dead. But there is still the nature of sin that's in us that would try to rise up. And so I tell you what, we need God. We need him every minute, every day of our lives. Well, look what Job said. Look what Job said. A man who was like the Bill Gates of his day. A man that was so wealthy. Look what he said in Job 42, 5 and 6. But now I say, I had heard about you before, but now I have seen you. And I loathe myself and repent in dust and ashes. That's what Job's response was to him having a divine encounter with God. He said, I loathe myself and repent in dust and ashes. He knew so little when he thought he knew so much. And when he encountered the God who knows everything, he was like, oh, uh-oh. Woo, woo. Mm -mm. Isaiah 6, 5. How about the great prophet Isaiah? This is what he said. Then I said, 
Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. Here's the leading prophet of his day. Here's one of the leading prophets of the Old Testament, whose book is, is one of the longest books in the Bible. He has an encounter of seeing the Lord, and he says, I am a man of unclean lips. He's basically saying, I can't hang with this. I, God's on a totally different level. And, I, and compared to him, I'm filthy. My lips are filthy. I have not said things that I should have said. I, I have backed down from fear of man and from cowardice. And that's tainted me. That has stained me. Mm. He said, I am a man of unclean lips. Wow. Wow. Praise God. Understanding our need. Poverty of spirit. Luke 18, verses 13 through 14, this is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus said, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed, but beat upon his chest in sorrow, exclaiming, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home forgiven. For the proud shall be humbled, but the humble shall be honored. That's the blessedness that comes with poverty of spirit. It's okay to not have it all together. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Matthew 15, verses 25 through 27. The Gentile woman, then she came and worshiped him, worshiped Jesus, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, I'm, I'm a Gentile. I'm outside the covenant that the Jews have, and I know that makes me defiled, dirty, filthy, and unclean. But Lord, just one crumb is enough to take care of me. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. She didn't, she didn't argue or quarrel with the reality of her own self-insufficiency, that she has no righteous leg to stand on. Wow. And the Lord loved it, and he responded to her, and she got her miracle. What about Jacob. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped leaning on the top of his staff. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's a crutch. He should get rid of that staff. Look, only God can bless you. You can't bless yourself. Now, I know God can bless you through others, but God is was the one that blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel. And it was that encounter, remember the wrestling match, that left Jacob with the limp and the need for a crutch or a staff to support himself with. There's nothing wrong with needing a staff. There's nothing wrong with needing God to support you. Praise God. How about this one? How about this one? Are you ready for a whopper? Get ready for this one. You might want to sit down on this one. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This verse used to just really puzzle me. It used to really stump me. 
I understand it now. Let's talk about it. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. Paul the Apostle. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am, not who I used to be, of whom I am chief. I am is in the present tense. Well, Pastor Stephen, but you have to understand the Apostle Paul understood that all of his sins were washed away and God had mercy on him and, you know, uh, and, and uh, God, God doesn't hold it against him anymore. I understand all of that. I understand that. I understand that God doesn't hold your sins against you either, nor mine. They're forgiven. Well, then why is, why is Paul identifying in the present tense that at that point, right now, he's saying, I'm the chief of sinners? Poverty of spirit. Poverty of spirit. Hallelujah. Can, can you understand the balance? Understand your identity of who you are in Christ, and understand also your need for that, I, I, that, I, that identity in Him. Your need for a Savior. Your need for help. Your need for His wisdom and His advice. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. One of the saints that I love a lot in church history, a great Catholic saint, uh, his name was Joseph of Cupertino from Cupertino, Italy. He's buried in Osimo, Italy. This was the man known in church history as the flying monk who had a tremendous walk with God, deep revelation with God in some of the leading kings and leading emperors of Europe would come to him for advice and counsel of how to govern nations. And this was the person that was branded as the idiot who was said to be so stupid that the only assignment initially they gave him at the monastery was to take care of the donkey because that's the only thing he's good at. But eventually when they realized this guy has a walk with God, that's incredible a walk with God that God validated in an unusual sign and wonder by allowing him to levitate many times in worship. Well, listen to what Joseph of Cupertino said. Um, He taught, uh, this is what he actually did. I'll give you something that he said in just a moment. This is what he taught. He taught a a young three-year-old child who could still barely speak to say these words. Brother Joseph is a great sinner, and when he dies he will go to hell. (laughs) He actually taught a little child to say that. But instead, he heard the child say twice in a loud and clear voice, Brother Joseph is a great saint, and after he dies, he will go to heaven. Before the child could say it a third time, Joseph playfully pulled his hair and ears and frightened him with his voice to make the child repeat his words as he had taught him instead. But the child who spoke the voice of God did not know how to deny the truth. So he said again with even more spirit, Brother Joseph is a great saint, and after he dies, he will go to heaven. Pastor Stephen, why why in the world would Joseph of Cupertino say such things, that he's just a dirty sinner? Poverty of spirit, poverty of spirit, of realizing how much of a goof up and how much of a failure he was in the natural, but yet knowing that when God touched him and when God strengthened him, that now, that now there's hope. But without the touch of God, we're talking about somebody 
who, you know what, just couldn't function in life. Couldn't function. Praise the Lord. Poverty of spirit is a beautiful thing. Matter of fact, Joseph of Cupertino, as he lay dying on his bed, begged his supervisor to bury his body after his death without solemnity, without any kind of celebration, in some hidden spot so that it would never be known that Brother Joseph of Cupertino had even been in this world. Mm, praise God. Praise God. Many of the great saints actually had that line of thinking. It wasn't self-condemnation. It wasn't somehow not knowing, not knowing who they were in Christ. It was poverty of spirit. Do you catch the difference? You can have confidence in the Lord and still have poverty of spirit. First Corinthians chapter three, verses six and seven. Paul said, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, I hear that people's lives are being touched through your books. It's, it's, it's the Lord. It's the Lord touching people's lives. The Lord is touching people's lives through that material. All, all the glory be to him. Hallelujah. If the Lord didn't touch it, not one copy. would I couldn't even give a copy away. It's all the Lord. It's all the Lord. So as Paul said, so then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What is poverty of spirit? It's an understanding. See, that's very important. It's an understanding of powers powerlessness in ourselves, powerlessness in ourselves, knowing that we are spiritually bankrupt outside of Christ. And even in Christ, we need him on an ongoing basis. So when you realize this, you actually see that everybody is poor in spirit. It's just that not everybody knows it. Praise the Lord. The more you know it and embrace it, the more you connect with the blessing that comes to those who know it. Wow. Again, Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, in context with verse 4, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What is the connection between poverty of spirit and the morning. Well, the morning is, or, or, or that inward groaning is from those who are keenly aware of their inadequacies, their failures, their goof ups. They're saying the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong place. Their helplessness, their emptiness, their sins. And because of all of this, are thus driven to God to receive his grace and his help in times of need. My friends, I want to tell you, when you're weak, that's when God's strength can come on you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, many years back, my pastor, my old pastor told me a story. 
He said, Brother Brooks, he said, I saw something as a young man in my life that made a big impression upon me. He said it was a meeting, a big, like, regional meeting. And Mr. Big Shot Bishop was going to come and speak at this large conference at the church. And everybody was excited. We'd always had heard about the bishop, his high-ranking authority, his uh, his ability to, uh, you know, be, be so impressive because of his stature and his demeanor and so forth. And so my old pastor said, he said, I went to the meeting and the hoopla was off the charts. The choir sang to welcome him and the organ player just played beyond his normal level. And the church and the whole audience was so excited for the bishop to come. And the bishop walked in. It was like a promenade. He walked in, and there were people in front of him throwing flowers, and he had on the most regal robes of the most beautiful colors, and the people stood and applauded. The bishop is here. The bishop is here. And my old pastor said, he said, I looked at the bishop, and I could tell the bishop was eating it up. Oh, the accolades, the praise of man, the glorification of a mortal. Uh, he, he just fell for it all. He ate it up. And his time, after many uh, long introductions of being heaped up and built up, you know, so-and-so is now going to come and speak. And they built him up, make him just almost like he was God's going to talk to us. To the point that when the bishop came and stood in the pulpit and actually spoke, my old pastor said, he said that it was like God took his hand off the bishop and said, you just because you've taken all my glory, you just go and you stand before them as your own self. And he stood there as a man with no anointing, no eloquent words, no shout, no nothing. It was like he was clothed, but it was almost like he was naked. And he said, he said, Brother Brooks, my pastor said, he said, Brother Brooks, he said, when he came in, he came in with splendor. But when he went out, he went out with his head down and in shame. Mm. See, if you come in with poverty of spirit, you come in different. You come in saying, God, I don't have nothing to offer anybody. So you're going to have to fill me, and you're going to have to work through me. You're going to have to give me a message to speak that will help the people. You're going to have to give me something because, God, I don't have anything to offer the people. And if you don't move, and if you don't show up, nothing, nothing is going to happen except a dull, boring talk. They can get that at the 4-H club. You can go to a rotary meeting and get that. You, you, you can hear anybody give a public speak speech if there's no anointing. Look, I've heard the, the world's best salesmen, the world's greatest so-called motivational speakers. They're nothing compared to any man or woman who has ever spoken under the anointing. When you hear something, see, that's why the gospel is proclaimed. God chose the means of the gospel to be proclaimed through preaching. It's it's wild. You think preaching? Yes, somebody speaking under the anointing. There's nothing else like it. It moves people. It'll move the hardest hearts. It's God's method. That's the format He has chosen. It is imperative that we as ministers be anointed, because if there's no anointing, it won't touch the people. It's just a dead talk. Woo! Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. So everybody has a responsibility to lean on the staff, to say, God, you're my staff. You're my strength. You uphold me. We go together. Hallelujah. And when you go with God, you're going to be okay. So if you ever feel weak, you feel like maybe you're going to quit. You feel like things are going to fall apart. Just say, God, I feel like quitting. God, I feel like things are going to fall apart. In the name of Jesus, praise God. So I just speak strength to you. Whenever you feel those times of weakness, have those talks with the Lord. And just say, Lord, you know what? I feel so inadequate. Lord, fill me up. Lord, I feel, I feel cravings for things I shouldn't crave. Lord, replace that with your glory, with your spirit. Fill me up. Lord, give me your strength. Lord, I'm afraid. Give me your courage. Hallelujah. Be honest with the Lord. Go before the throne of grace, and he will supply it abundantly to you. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Let's take communion today. Let us take communion today. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Please grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Praise the Lord. Father, we bless the grape juice and the bread. We thank you. This is now the flesh and blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that you said in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, that our sins and our iniquities you remember no more. We thank you that they are forgiven. And we thank you, Father. We are also able to realize that without your help, without your strength, that we are nothing. We give you praise. We humble ourselves before you. We bow down before you and say, oh God, we need you. Every hour, every minute, we need you. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the flesh of Jesus as we receive it. We lean on the Lord. We need him, O oh God. Father, we lean on the Lord. O oh God, meet our every need. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. The soul-cleansing blood of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We couldn't do it, but he did. Thank you, O oh God. Father, there's many other things we can't do either, but he can through us. So our eyes are on you. You are our prize. Our eyes are on the prize. Father, give us your strength. We thank you. Supply your grace fully and abundantly in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's now receive the blood of Jesus. Praise God. I believe that you're going to experience a great blessing. I believe that you're going to experience the lifting power of the risen Christ in your life. Nothing can hold you down, for nothing is stronger than our Lord Jesus. Father, bless your people today. Strengthen your people today. We give you praise. We thank you for victory. 
We thank you for Christ in us, the hope of glory. Thank you, Father God. We look to you. We look to you. And thank you that you supply every need abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.